Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. To learn more about our church community and how you can be a part, visit us online at therivercitychurch.org. And that's what we've done so far in this series of using arrows as an acronym. We started with the first week of AIM. We got to know what we are aiming at. We are aiming at eternity. We are not aiming at all the other things. Those other things come alongside and they're great and they're fun things to do. But eternity, knowing Jesus, is the first and primary thing that we must do. We talked about release. We've got to prepare our kids from day one of like we are releasing them out into the world to be the light in the darkness, to be able to stand on their own. You're moving them towards maturity. And how do we release them in the way that God's called us to? I got this one wrong last week because when my sister-in-law spoke on Mother's Day, she said rhythm. It's about a rhythm and walking in rhythm with Jesus and, and walking with him. And then we talked about others and how we honor others in our lives. Last week was war. Uh, I know a lot of people were gone for Memorial Day. And um, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that one because that is what we are called to do is to fight for them. And today we wrap it up with the S and that is someday. Someday they will be released. Someday you will look back and we will see how we did. And we'll be like, okay, how did we do it? Someday we'll have that privilege of releasing them. We're aiming, we're influencing our cousins, our nieces, nephews, all those around. And it's, it's interesting, especially in parenting, of how that just kind of gets changed and, and kind of uh, odd and, and weird sometimes. Of uh, As you step into parenting, do you ever find that you become like a dork? Like, I didn't know I was a dork until um, Caleb called it out Friday night. Um, we were having a, sitting around a campfire and a total dad joke came out. And he's like, total dad joke. And I was like, I realized how much, how did I start telling dad jokes? How did they just start coming out of my mouth when I'm like riding with them in the car and they just start coming out? And so we, we have the, these things that are dad jokes and the way that we think is funny to our kids think is funny. And so we, 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 we become crazy and maybe it's in the midst of all the craziness and busyness. Well, here's this, uh, this one dad that his uh, like middle school son just kept on complaining to him, why do I have to ride the bus? Everybody else's parents picked them up. I don't want to ride the bus. Can you come pick me up? I don't want to ride the bus. Have you ever heard that? I don't like riding the bus. It takes me so much longer to get home. Pick me up. And so this dad does this for picking up his son because he finally gave in. So, um, yeah, us dads, I, I don't know if he questioned that later on, if that was a good idea or not, because see, see what even happens by what we hear in the laughter in here, there's a, there's a dichotomy right now, right, of like in this room of like half of us going, laughing and going, that is hilarious. Give that dad father of the year award. That is amazing. That is incredible. And oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that when my kid was in middle school? That's what some of us are thinking and others are going, Oh my gosh, the damage that he's just done. That one day that he's going to look back and tell his counselor about the day his dad showed up at school in a Speedo, right? And like there's all these different ways because like honestly, when we're in the midst of it, in the midst of, of parenting, in the midst of leading our families, we don't know if we're doing it right, right? We don't know if like, was that a good idea or a bad idea, right? Like we don't know the, the impact. It's like sometimes like we want to like, we want to like compare and know. We like, like golf, you want to know like what the par is, like okay, how many shots am I supposed to get this in, right? Like, what, what, what is the standard? What's the, what's, the, what's the range of I'm doing? And am I doing good? And, and am I getting this, right? 
And so I want, want to talk about this for a little bit because we all want to go like, how am I measuring up? How am I doing? Because we don't always know until they're released, until later on in the future of what our influence is doing while they're in our household. And so we all have this desire. We, maybe we've heard this saying because we, we want to know how to measure up, want to know how we're doing. We've heard the saying that extraordinary children come from extraordinary parents. And so like, what, what does it mean to be an extraordinary parent? So I want to talk about that as we, we wrap up this series. But again, I want to broaden this. And this is not just for those that have children in their home, that this is, in fact, really about discipleship. It's about how are we doing at our discipleship making, especially in the area of children in our home and those that we have influence in, usually those that are younger, that are looking to us in some kind of leadership. So how to be extraordinary parents and how not to be the weirdo in the speedo, right? You know, I, where, where's that line at in that area? So, but we are, that, that, even though that, that guy is so goofy, weird in his speedo, we are called to be different. We are called to stand out and to, to, to stand different. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. So right there, we're told from Peter that the one that walked with Jesus, one that knew Jesus, that we are to be different. We are foreigners. We are aliens. We do not belong to this land. We thus then, by definition, we are weird. We are strange. We are extraordinary. We are not ordinary. We stand out to be different. So the next time that your kid complains to you and say, none of the other parents do that, and all the other parents do this, and all the other parents say we can do that, you just pat yourself on the back and say, yes, I'm doing something right because I am not ordinary. I am extraordinary. I'm living for a different vision, for a different culture, for the kingdom of heaven. I'm not falling for what the culture says, right? So you just cheer yourself on and say, yes, thank you, teenager, for acknowledging that we are foreigners and strangers, right? That we, because the scripture calls us, for those of us that have committed our life to Christ and build our lives around the scripture, the scripture calls us to live different than the world around us, different than the culture around us, different than the messages that are being told and sold to us every single day. So, it's easy to be ordinary. It's easy to be an ordinary parent and follow what everybody else is doing. But God has given you gifts, grace, and ability to be extraordinary parents, extraordinary influencers. And so I want to go back and just even refresh what we talked about on the first series of like extraordinary parents. I want to talk a few points about them. Extraordinary parents see their children as a blessing. Children our heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Just, I mean, you guys got this verse down now, right? You got this. We've been talking about this, going over this week and week. That children are a blessing. And that mindset right there will make, is the beginning point of being extraordinary. Because so often our culture, our world will tell us that children are a burden, that they wear us down and they're, they're exhausting. And 
you know, at, at the beginning, it's, 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 exo- it's, it's a different thing to get used to, right? When you go from being single to being married, and then you have children, it changes the game up quite a bit. And in those first years, it doesn't always feel like a blessing because, man, you, especially if you're an extrovert and on the go and moving all the time, you know, you, you talk to these young single people, it's like, oh yeah, we found last minute flight and we're going down to the Bahamas and just packing a bag and like, oh, we're going to this like last minute, one minute. How many of you guys remember those days? Like last minute, like, hey, we're going to go do a trip. Hey, we're just going to back up. In the, you, you put a baby in the mix. And all of that changes. It's like you can't just crash on a friend's floor. You can't just go camping at the drop of a hat. You can't just go, to, like everything changes. You're like, this baby's supposed to be a blessing, but he is like, you know, everything is changed and you can feel, I mean, it can put a lot of tension on that marriage in the first year because you feel like you went from a free bird to house arrest, right? Like we got to get home by nap time and we, gotta, we can't go out in the evening and the, you can't even leave the house by six o'clock because they're going to bed, right? All those challenges. And then guess what? You hit the next stage of life, like that preteen age where they're having all these kind of activities going on. You're like, please put me on house arrest. All we do is drive from one place to the other, moving place around. So like, it never changes. Like we, we always want this different season of because what it is, what is it that causes us to do this and to feel this way of like not seeing them as a blessing? The truth of the matter is for me and for you probably is that we're selfish. And being married and having kids and putting them and caring for them kills our selfishness. There's other ways that God continues to destroy that selfishness, but nothing like having a child that's dependent upon you that just makes you die to yourself and die to that selfishness. So, and I want to be careful. You know, sometimes as, as we are um, growing in a church of there's, there's single people, there's uh, young married without kids and all this stuff. And like, and sometimes us as parents, we need to like see that we, we actually speak it as a blessing because some people would like sit around listening to us talk and go, why would I ever want a child? You guys just talk about all the terrible things that comes with this, right? Instead, we need to speak that they're like, no, I, I want this. I want this, you know? So that, and, and I would say that that has been even a big shift in my own heart during this series and during this study is, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed my kids, but even in the season that they're in now of like seeing them as a gift, seeing them as a blessing in the midst of the busyness and the fighting and the, and the redirecting conversations and, and all of that stuff of, of loving them and having fun and laughing with them and just chilling out sometimes because that's a big thing for me because I want to be disciplined and, and sell that. So extraordinary parents also teach kids about boundaries. They teach their kids about boundaries. Ordinary parents don't. Ordinary parents let kids just do what they want when they want. Ordinary parents never want their kid to be bored constantly filling them with entertainment, something to do on their device. How many of you, you go to, it's become the norm, and I've been there too, you go to a restaurant with your spouse, with a friend, another couple, and you want to talk, and the kid is there, like, and now they've, if they don't have the screens, the tablets are already at the table at certain restaurants, which I hate, and I'm like, take that off my table, um, because the kid's got enough screens in front of them, they're going, can I have your phone, 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 and you finally like just break down and hand them your phone so you can have an adult conversation for a moment, and, and again, I guess, I, again, I get it, those are moments that you do that when they connect, but man, other times, like, I'm like, I was a kid, I had to sit there and listen to boring conversation, and I had to be involved and listen, and it's okay 
to not let them have something in their hand all the time, every moment, and to monitor that stuff. It's like they, they can take it. They can deal with it for a bit. So ordinary parents, ordinary parents, this is not who you are. Ordinary parents let their kids date way too early, long before they're ready for even what marriage and commitment looks like. They, they, they allow that just that this leads to emotional brokenness and just confusion. Ordinary parents don't pry into, talked about this last week, into what your kids are watching and seeing. We hand them iPhones, we hand them tablets, we hand them computers, laptops, without looking at it. You do not do that as an extraordinary parent because ordinary parents sit around naively thinking, oh, they're just learning stuff. They don't realize they've just given them a gateway to explicit things that Satan wants to derail their lives with. Ordinary, extraordinary parents know what apps are on their kids' phones. They know what websites they're going to. They know what, listening, what they're listening to. They know what movies they're watching. They know what they're talking about. They check their text. That is not overbearing. You are to guard your children. You are a watchman. As we saw in the earlier verses, it says, lest the Lord builds the house, the watchmen watch in vain. God's watching over the house, but we are still called to be watchmen, to see what is going before them because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will work on the most vulnerable. He roars around, but the Bible tells us, he roars aloud like a lion looking for who he can devour. Have you ever watched a nature show, Planet Earth? You watch the lion go around the pack of who they're attacking. Who do they go after? The weakest the youngest, the most vulnerable. The enemy does the same thing. He comes into your house and he wants to pick off the youngest, the immature, the not knowing, and he wants to pull them aside. There's way, listen, we are growing up in this new time of technology and things that are available of, again, just the access of pornography today versus even when I grew up. You know, when, you, when you, kids that, you know, working with, with kids through high school that I was in, in youth group, and like what they did of, of being exposed to this, you know, many, many times, too many stories of today young adults are saying, I'm addicted to porn, and it's got this hooks on me, and I just can't get free from it. And you sit down and you talk to them, when did that start? And in my generation, it was like, well, we went to my friend's house and the dad or the uncle had some magazines here and we had this and I snuck it and we, we would go to the, to the gas station and buy something and send our older brother in to buy stuff. And it was this whole sneaky thing. Today, they're like, no, I went to a friend's house and he showed me this app. He pulled up this website and now I have my own phone in my bedroom and I'm addicted to it and I just need it every single day. It is the enemy has been welcomed into our houses. Listen. Your future child, your future son, and your future daughter would tell you. They might not tell you today. They might be mad at you today for doing this, but they would come back and say, I wish that you would pry. I wish that you would ask these questions. I wish that you would look at this so I would not make a mess of my future marriage with this brokenness because of the things that I have allowed in. Your future child is calling out to you, pry, look, ask. You are watchmen. We are letting too much garbage in. Check what movies they're seeing. Check the ratings of the movies before you go. What are they putting before them? We are living in a new world. We are constantly competing with TVs, iPhones, iPads, devices, advertisements, friends, teachers, siblings, the, the siblings, older, like older siblings, friends, and uncles, and aunts, and all kind of people around. 
the entire world. Proverbs 5.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, guard it. Another version says diligence, diligence, guarding that heart. Those are military terms. Those are watchmen watching over a fortress, over a gate, because what happens and what we allow into our heart can take us hostage. It can hold us back for so long. So we, while they're in our care, we are to protect them. We are to watch out for them. Man, extraordinary parents, they monitor, they see what's going on, they pry, they see what is happening. Extraordinary parents make the most of moments. They make the most of moments. We are called to be extraordinary parents in teaching our kids. Ordinary parents, ordinary parents just let They just give it away. Let the school teach them whatever curriculum is coming out. Don't ask questions about what's being taught. Don't ask how that differs from what we believe as Jesus followers, as what we are as aliens, as foreigners amongst this earth. We got to ask those questions. what, What are you hearing in school? What are you being taught in school? Because listen, there is an agenda on taking out young people. And now for years now, I've talked about this before, is they've been growing up with like, there's no thought of God. There is no God. There is no creator. What does that lead to? I'm going to hit some pretty hot topics here, okay? Just be prepared. It leads to, if there is no God, there is no creator, now we have a generation that's grown up and going, abortion is just okay. Because they don't believe the verse that says, you were created in your mother's womb. And they bought into that lie that it's all just science and happenstance and it doesn't matter and it's just sex and pleasure and all this. They don't see this as God's form and way of designing family and making family and we've removed the blessing of sex and having children and moved it outside the covenant of marriage and they're not seeing that and so they're just like oh yeah of course abortion is okay because a baby is just a problem a baby is just a situation right they're allowing teachers to teach them things that go against what scripture says they're being taught a different message every single day in our world, we are, they are at war. You are sending your kids into war. Another thing that is hot topic, might offend you, but hear my heart, is the movement of LGBTQ in our schools and in our teaching. And it is prying, preying on young, influential minds. Again, they're not seeing that they are made in the image of God. They're not hearing that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're designed the way that God made them with a purpose and with a vision for their life. And so they're going through hard times and the enemy uses curriculum in school and comes in and says, oh, you can believe what you want, however you feel, whatever it is, it's about your feelings, about this. And listen, I am not here coming down on judgment on those that are struggling in those areas. Hear my heart, my care for you is that I am just sick and tired of the enemy coming and stealing and destroying from our youngest people and trying to pick them off while they're young. I'm so ticked at the enemy that he's getting his way in and trying to change people's hearts and lives. We are called to be watchmen. 
And listen, again, hear my heart. If you're struggling in those areas, if you're struggling in where you believe, we want this to be a place for the skeptic and the spiritual. For those that have these questions, you can come and ask, and we love you, and you are welcome here, and you are cared for here. But today is about replacing the lie with the truth. We have started that with the songs that we've sang today, that he is the way, he is the truth. We are replacing lies with truth. We are called to lead our families. We are called to guide them. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says this. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your There you go. There's some symbols. We've got some arrows. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We are to come around Scripture because the world will continue to try to diminish Scripture, try to take it away, but it just keeps getting proven more and more by archaeological finds, by the proof of what was put in here, that this is the truth, and the world wants to keep on trying to take it away and diminish it for what it is. There's a future generation coming up. This is what God is telling the Israelite people. As you go and I give you these commands, make sure you're passing them on. Tell them to them. Tell them when you wake up in the morning and you're having breakfast, you're eating cereal, talking about what is God doing today. As you drop them off at the school line, hopefully not in a Speedo, but you drop them off and you say, hey guys, who's, who, who, are you, who are you going to... Who are you, who are you going to make known today? I'm going to go make Jesus known. Hey, who's with you today? Jesus is with me today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, like drive, pushing those in, letting them know that they're not alone, that they have a Savior that's inside of them, walking with them. And you come at night and you're having them dinners. That is a huge thing that not even Christian sociologists and therapists and counselors will all say that if a family has dinner together three to four times a week, the health of those kids is so much better. Doesn't lead to divorce, doesn't lead to imprisonment, doesn't lead to all these things. Having a meal together around the table and not being consumed with the busyness of life and slowing down and saying, this is a value. It's a value, and sometimes it's a pain in the booty because I've got an evening meeting, and I've got to go home and have dinner and then go out again. And sometimes it's easier if I just hit Portillo's, but I know that, hey, I can't. it's been three nights out. I've got to get home, have dinner, and then I'll come back out to the meeting. So you've got to set those as priorities. So there's, there's new technologies. There's new things in this world that we, again, if you missed last week, go back and listen to that. There's new things that our kids are facing that we did not have to face, but God is greater and he's got great plans. So this time, now after, hopefully I've got you guys' attention. So I've looked back on this, uh, this series, I've realized that I am not proven as a parent yet. My kids are still in the house. So how, how, the proof is in like when they're launched and when they go out. So I want to invite John and Katie to come up here. And we are going to talk and share from some that have launched their arrows out. Welcome them. Clap, clap for them as they come. So this is... Uh, 
John and Katie, relatively newish to River City Church, but just as a, a conversation that we've had in the lobby after these conversations, seeing what they're doing on Facebook with their, of just the stories with their, their own daughters, I was like, man, I want, I, want to, I want to talk to these guys about what they've done. Not that they've gotten it all right, but there's some things that they, that they just saw that, man, we can learn from. We can learn from those that have gone before us. So tell us a little bit about yourself first. All right. Well, we will have been married 26 years next month. Woo. Awesome. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a saint. <laughs> um, and we moved here about eight years ago to the Fox Valley area from Michigan. Um, our oldest daughter is 22. She just graduated in fashion design from Parsons in New York City. And um, she's the brunette there. And um, our youngest is 18. She just finished her first year of studying chemical engineering from Michigan State. All right. Wow. Nice. Nice. So, um, so we, we, we caught up for coffee this week and just kind of talked about it. And so I found out that they did every single thing right. And they agreed every single time in all of their parenting areas. They always run the same page, right? <laughs> no, not always on the same page. Tell us about that. No, I, when it comes to parenting, uh, I'm more of the disciplinarian, uh, and uh, Kay is a little bit more of a softy when it comes to that. Um, so, um, so being a disciplinarian around chores, for example, um, I think having your children do chores is important. It's not just to teach them those skills, but it's also to help them with time management because they're going to have things in their academic life or their work life and they still have to balance their schedule with a family and, and getting everything done. So I think it's more important. Uh, whereas Kay would be like, oh, well, I only had them for so much time. Let's just, you know, I'll do the chore. I'll do, you know. So anyway, it's a little different. A little different, yes. I think that's how many men would be like, let's push them. Let's get them ready. They got to get ready for war. Let's get them, get them doing chores at like five, right? Or before. Um, I had my kids help them with mulch yesterday. Um, and, so oh, and wine the entire time. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> So, um, all right, so you also ended up traveling a lot in your work. So how do you, you got, I love that you, you, you said the word family-centric. You guys have always been family-centric, but how do you guys stay connected and what did you do, practices there? Yeah, so for uh, my jobs um, in the past, in my career, I've traveled a lot. And so one of the things I decided early on is I wanted to make sure that when I was home, I was with the family all the time. Um, so maybe I missed out on some things, you know, I didn't go on guys nights or guys weekends or anything like that. I just wanted to be with my family, um, because I know how hard it was for me to be away, uh, 50% of the time. Yeah. 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 And you know, when the kids are little and the budgets are tight and you just don't have the time or the money to go out on date night, I always would hear that. And I'm like, we can't afford that and pay a babysitter and, you know, dinner out and a movie or whatever. So our date nights consisted of Blockbuster. There, we dated ourselves. Um, run to Blockbuster, get a VHS tape, um, and then uh, and maybe play the Wii when, the, when that finally came out. We'd go play a round of golf on the Wii and tell the kids, you go stay over there, let, let us have some time. But it gave us time to reconnect and, and talk about what's going on with the kids because he was traveling, you know, hey, you need to know what's going on. And, and it'll help me during those times. Yeah. So, yeah, I love you always said God first. Spouse. Yeah, I think it's very important uh, that, you, that you kind of follow that role as God's first, spouse second, and children third. Because uh, if you don't go on dates, then you're not going to connect with your spouse as much. And then your kids see that. You know, mm -hmm. if, you, 
have a good relationship or not, they see that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so when you guys moved to this area eight years ago, um, you saw some opportunities of helping your, especially your oldest, uh, Taylor, uh, facing some resistance and how you guys kind of walked through that. Just kind of share some of that while she was still in your care because then we're going to get to where she is in the, in the future. Yeah, so uh, one of our uh, first priorities was academics in a school. We wanted to make sure we went to a good school district. Um, but then after we found you know, so many good school districts, then we started saying, okay, uh, for Taylor, um, since she started dance at the age of four and competed since that age, we wanted to make sure that we found a school that had a good drill team, uh, dance team. And so St. Charles North had the best um, drill team in the state at the time, and so she wanted to make that team. And so um, a lot of these other kids on the team, she made it, um, they all knew each other growing up. And so Taylor was the outsider, so she kind of faced a little bit of, as you would expect, some challenges right off the bat with that, um, being on the team and, and trying to be accepted. But um, you know, these, these kids could be tough. And we all know from our experiences that kids can be tough on each other. Um, and so fortunately the coach was good, you know, and, um, you know, treated Taylor fairly. Um, but then she also ran into some issues uh, later in school um, where, you know, she started talking about how she was a Christian and she had uh, this atheist classmate at school that would try to get in her face on a daily basis almost and try to, you know, basically be at war with her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, one thing I said to Taylor was, you know, hey, you know, stand up. Um, but also, you know, that verse of if you're slapped on one cheek, then turn the other cheek and let them slap you on the other. So it's not a time to be defensive because then it will never end. But um, this is kind of uh, preparing you for your future. All these obstacles, these challenges are just one stepping block to something that you're probably going to face in your career choice, which is fashion design. Yeah, wow. And so um, when the girls were in the house and influenced there, how did you show them that Jesus was important and, and faith community and church was important? Yeah. Um, so as newlyweds and young parents and everything, we were always super involved in the churches that we were attending. Um, our kids always saw us serving. We were usually at church by 7.30 on a Sunday morning, getting ready for service. Um, and then when they got old enough to be able to start serving alongside us, they had that choice. We never said, you have to come and you have to do this. And so they were like, no, we want to participate and we want to be a part of that. It was just always an expectation and they knew that, but it was also a choice. Mm -hmm. And eventually they actually both chose at different times to go on mission trips um, to, to do those types of things. They talk to us about tithing, you know, hey, I only make, you know, $8 an hour at my part-time job. How much do I have to give? Because they always saw us giving. It was just always there as an expectation. That's good. That's good. So, yeah, like you, you said, as they got older, um, and, and you asked the girls, hey, we're having this interview, and uh, John, you said that they, they gave you a line about the expectations, right? Go ahead and share about that, of... It, uh, yeah, it was that, oh. that the expectation to, to go to church was always there. They knew they were expected to go, but we would always give them, I shouldn't say always, but as they got older, they had the choice as to whether they were coming or not. Um, and sometimes it was like, well, hey, the church we're going to has a Sunday, you know, Saturday night service or a, a later Sunday service if you want to sleep in. We're, we're willing to adjust to that because we want to be there as a family. Yeah. Good. And as a result, uh, Taylor, who moved to New York City right away, 
even though parents weren't there, she went and found a church yeah. right away. Yeah, she, um, prior to going to New York City, she was looking online, finding churches around the campus. Um, she attended actually eight different churches until she found the one that she's currently attending. Um, she goes to dinner parties. She actually leads a, a dinner party or a Bible study. Um, so it was, and in Kelsey the same way. They, they both went off to school knowing the expectation was, yeah. you know, that, that that was part of their heart. Yeah. So that's a, a big place where maybe a major, majority of the people have not been at a place of what school are we sending our kids to and making decision for sending your kids, you know, because we're all just like so busy in the middle school age and high school and all this stuff. So tell us that process of when she wanted to, we were kind of went to New York City. That's like, how did you come to that decision of like with her? Yeah. So fortunately, she was accepted at many schools around the country. Uh, Taylor was. And um, you know, she asked me, well, which school should I go to, Dad? And I, I immediately saw that as a trap. Uh, knowing, knowing my daughter, I mean, I, you know all your kids, how they are, and I saw that one as a trap because I didn't want to be blamed if later on she was unhappy. Um, well, Dad, you told me to go there. You know, That's wise. So, <laughs> you know, so I just kind of, you know, was just asking a lot of questions like, well, um, where do you believe that you're going to have the best choices in terms of internships? Where do you believe you're going to be the most successful? Um, where do you want to live after you graduate? And, you know, I knew the answer was going to be in New York City. You know, if you're going to fashion design, it seemed like it was a no-brainer. But I wanted her to decide um, that answer, and so she chose um, the school in New York City, Parsons. Yeah. So, again, and then tell me about, tell me, I mean, I just can't imagine, like, I have an 11 year old daughter and like hearing about what they walked into of dropping their daughter off at a school in New York City. And um, again, we are aliens, we are foreigners, we live to a different way and to drop off at this very liberal fashion design school. Um, and so, you know, again, that First Peter 2, 11 says, this is the message version, it says, friends, the world is not your home, so do not make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge in e- <clears throat> your ego at expense of your soul, live extreme, exemplary lives among the natives so that your actions may refute their prejudices. So just that, that way of like, we do live different. And sometimes we, in suburban life, Christian life, we can live in this bubble. And I'm hearing these stories of like what they walked into and, and what she faced that first year. I just want to kind of share that. And, and some of you guys might be like, oh, well, that's, that's normal. I, I grew up to college like that. To me, it was like, whoa, wow. Like, and how do I, how am I preparing my children for this not one day? Yeah, so I uh, drove Taylor to school, and uh, so the first day we get there, we're moving all our stuff in, and, you know, and maybe I'm just an older conservative fogey, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I figured that if there's going to be any need for condoms or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, even in a liberal school, that they, you go to the nurse or something like that and get that or ask for, but they were like in a basket right at the elevator to get to uh, the floor, you know, to move her, and uh, they're just all around, all in the open. And so that was an awakening right there. And, uh, and then the second thing is uh, get to meet uh, her sweet mates, because um, there are you know, three sweet mates, and then meet their parents. And so one uh, uh, roommate, uh, her parents were um, lesbians, uh, and got to meet them and talk with them. And, uh, and then also um, the first night after moving her in, the first night the um, RA uh, wanted to meet with the, the students, the freshmen. And so the topic was, what's your pronoun? What do you identify with? Are you a he, she, or they? And the RA said, oh, by the way, I'm a they. And so that was, 
That was one thing. And in the RA said, well, I'm asking this because I want to make sure that you all realize this is the place of acceptance. So I get that. But the problem is it ended up um, pointing out Taylor as, uh, you know, something that if you're straight, then that's wrong. You know, and uh, so that was, so she kind of felt uncomfortable because of that situation. Yeah. For sure. And then, and then, again, I know that our world is changing and diverse, and some of you guys, yeah, I know that, but it's just, of, with our, with what family thoughts and stuff are, how do we walk through that? And so, even in the, the first freshman project that the, the, the professor gave. So, um, trying to get the freshmen to interact with each other, so she was, the professor quickly figured out she was a Christian and placed her with an atheist young man um, as her partner, and they had to go experience something in New York and then write a a paper about it. And um, the professor pulled the young man aside and said, I want you to take her to a sex museum. And my daughter was like, said to the guy, look, we're opposite genders, this isn't right, this professor's trying to do this specifically for me, can we please not do this? And she convinced the guy to not do it, and... Um, she said, Mom, just the website alone was just pure pornography. And she goes, I- I'm not going to put myself there, and especially with a, a man I don't even know. Um, so it was right off the bat, she was constantly fighting not only her classmates, but her professors with regards to her beliefs. Yeah. So again, I know these are, are shocking, but I think it's just a testimony of, like, again, of that she held to her her, her beliefs in the midst of a culture like this, and this is, again, our arrows when we release them. How are they going to do, to do this? So um, she just graduated with her, her project, and she, she made it through school through this very, I mean, just attacked every single day of what does she believe, and uh, even her final se- uh, senior project was... Yeah, so her final senior project was actually based on um, women of the Bible, and um, specifically the scarlet was actually from, is it Rahab mm-hmm. in her scarlet? Um, so she, you know, purposely you everything was, yeah, up there. was all the different, uh, the different aspects of it. And she had researched all these different women. So I want to make sure I have this right. It's, her collection is Pursuing Peace and Embodiment of Christian Feminism Through the Promotion of Peace, Unity, and Resiliency. And she was like, here it is. I am a Christian. You, you, you're not making me go away. And you can see that she actually um, hand-painted uh, some of the, the dresses. And uh, you could see doves in uh, some of the designs right there to symbolize peace. Um, but, but one thing I said earlier is you're used to your classmates maybe giving you a difficult time, but in this case, it was the professors giving her a difficult time. And also just um, pointing her out in class, you know, saying, why are, you, why are you doing this? And so she had to stand up for herself and stand up for Christianity. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I just thought this is an amazing story of just, you know, preparing and sending them out, and we don't know how it's going to go. Um, but also talking about those moments and making the most of those moments. Katie, you shared some stories about just those moments that you look back on and what were just amazing moments of memories and, and just kind of showed that maybe along the way we are getting there. <laughs> I always, when they were growing up, was like, do they even like each other? You know? Because you'd hear them fighting and arguing and bickering, and especially in the bathroom. And, um, you know, girls. And um, the, probably the best memories that I have is actually the four of us in the car, because they're trapped. And um, you, you might be arguing, you might be bickering in the car even, but some song will come on the radio, and usually, you know, I only listen to Christian music. Um, 
we, we start singing four-part harmony. Um, and it's just, it's just one of my favorite memories, driving you know, on a vacation or whatever and, and hearing, hearing them worshiping God and we're singing in four-part harmony. Um, and then, like I said, I wondered if they even liked each other. And um, last year I jumped in my youngest daughter's car and turn it on and of course the music starts blaring and I look like, ah, oh, I've got to turn this down. And you look and it's a CD and you realize, I realized that um, Taylor, the oldest, had made a mixed CD of worship songs for her little sister's car so that while she's away at college, they can still have that connection. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it is someday, parents, you will make it. Someday you will be able to look back and say, man, all of the work, all of the, what we talked about last week, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness does pay off. So thank you, John and Katie, for sharing. Thank you guys so much. Awesome. Uh, They are available to answer all of your questions about parenting and show you how to do it in every way. (laughs) Now, I love you guys and so thankful for, that way it might be easier. Um, So thankful for just sharing that story. Stories build faith. They build encouragement that, man, um, and again, we're talking about some things in our culture that we do see differently and we still love people and we still meet them in the place wherever people are, but scripture is our, our guide. So extraordinary parents, two more things. Extraordinary parents pray persistently. Extraordinary parents keep on praying. They keep on praying. They keep on pursuing and prayer for their kids. It's okay, Brian, you can leave it. Um, Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so Samuel 12, 23 says, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. We keep on praying. We keep on being faithful. We keep on pursuing. Last one. Extraordinary parents know that only grace makes you an extraordinary parent. They know that it's only by the grace of God. They know that it's only because of what he has done. And so often, again, the enemy will come in and bring lies and bring like, oh my gosh, we messed up and what they were exposed to and all this stuff. I have heard way too many stories of people that say, I was suicidal, I was cutting, I was at the end of my rope, I was drug addict, I was all this, and today I'm on fire for Jesus, I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary, I'm evangelist. There's nowhere that you can go that is too far, your kids cannot go too far, that prayer, persistency, and the Holy Spirit cannot reach him because as much as we try, we have a good father that loves us and cares for us and calls us home even more. So would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing together one more time. and closing out this series with singing about our good father because he loves you. He cares for you. He has heart and vision for you, for your kids more than you even know. And Um, We're just going to declare this out for those of you that just need to hear the Father's love. He loves you and he cares for you. Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. We'd love to hear how God is using River City Church to minister and impact lives. If you have a story to share of how God is moving in your life, send an email to amen at therivercitychurch.org. If you'd like to support our mission financially so we can continue to share messages just like these, you can give online at therivercitychurch.org slash give.